Okay there, welcome to The Real Podcast with DN Sophia. This episode, we are eliminating attachment and aversion to experience inner peace. This is part one, attachment, defined through Buddhism, modern psychology, and esotericism. In our next episode, number five, we will deep dive into aversion. Over to Sophia. Hi, everybody. The delusion that runs our lives is attachment. It's a profound dissatisfaction, neediness, a primordial sense that something is missing, of being bereft, lonely, cut off. It's just there all the time in the bones of our being. And this is where aversion, anger, the exact opposite of attachment comes into play. The split second that attachment is thwarted, doesn't get what it wants, and that's a thousand times a day, aversion then arises. This is externally expressed as anger or internally as despair and depression. Attachment and aversion are utterly linked. Being a fantasy, attachment is not sustainable. The bubble has to burst and it has nowhere to go but aversion or ignorance which manifests as boredom, indifference, uncaring. In our never-ending efforts to keep the panic at bay, We desperately seek the right feelings, thoughts, words, sounds, even smells and tastes. But the split second we don't get them, aversion arises, exploding outwards as anger or imploding inwards as depression, guilt, hopelessness, self-hate. Who can relate to this? At the root of this, as Buddha calls it, is ignorance. And that's a fundamental awareness of how we actually exist. So let's just sit with all that for a moment and understand and feel into how we may be experiencing that in our own lives. The truth is attachment is the voice of the victim. Attachment is overestimating the happiness a person, object or experience can bring you. Attachment is also very close to addiction. Things you cannot live without and crave on a regular basis. These are the things and people you compulsively pursue in the name of happiness and fulfillment, but the core delusion is you're pursuing things that will not bring you any lasting happiness and their power to make you happy diminishes over time. In the previous episode, number three, we talked cultivating being present, stillness. We explained mindfulness as a moment-to-moment practice and meditation a formal focused practice to ultimately create a pause to observe your thoughts, behaviours and patterns. This leads to the next phase of your awakening journey. Some of you probably came to meditation because in one way or another, life wasn't working. Like me in the past, you may have had the expectation that the internal work of meditation would handle all your external problems. Hmm. Not quite. I'm kind of smiling here saying that because it's good to see where you've come from and where you're going to in the journey. Mm. Unfortunately, meditation will never replace the need for meaningful relationships and meaningful pursuits. It may not even provide the right tools to support you in those aspects of your life. It all depends on which techniques you choose for your formal meditation time and how well you apply mindfulness to your day-to-day experience. 
To me, the best way to stay on track is to bridge classical mindfulness with a psychological model that helps to explain the way we function in the world. By far the most relevant and well-researched model is attachment theory. Attachment theory refers to a set of foundational views of self and world. For example, an insecurely attached individual may see themselves as unworthy of happiness and meaningful connection. Or the world is a place where these things cannot be found. Different attachment styles have different views, but these views tend to lie so deep in the structure of one's mind or personality that they aren't even recognised as views. They are simply the way things are, the only reality one may know. If these foundational views aren't acknowledged, a person then might find deep peace in their personal meditation practice while relationships and life circumstances continue to be draining, unsatisfying or even frightening. This is escapism. But if we use mindfulness moment-to-moment awareness in specific ways, we can become aware of our hidden attachment conditioning. And if it's not working, begin to change it. This results in a meditation practice that is truly comprehensive, not just an escape, but an empowering force to enrich life and propel us peacefully through it. Another way to understand attachment is to observe your own suffering and how your experience of suffering manifests in many ways. Let's have a little fun with this. For example, when we don't have something, we suffer until we get it. And when we have it, we suffer in case we lose it. Resistance to change is a symptom of attachment too. You can even have attachment to having no attachments in that you may feel pride in your achievement and become attached to that pride. Hmm. We put so much time and effort craving and pursuing things we think will make us happy, we leave hardly any time to cultivate the real causes of happiness and peace. Another aspect of attachment in modern psychology is healthy attachment. So we need to explore this to understand the whole scope of attachment. Healthy attachment to caregivers is very important, especially to a child, and healthy attachments to partners, friends and family also play a big part in our happy, healthy existence. But the key is underestimating their limitations. It's when you overestimate the happiness those relationships can bring that causes all the problems. Addictive and possessive traits start to appear and unhealthy consequences ensue. Therefore, in all situations, a healthy dose of wisdom, actually understanding the limitations of that happiness is needed. You don't have to give up all the people and things you love just to experience the elusive inner peace. You just need an understanding of the reality of the situation. I adore this part of Buddha's journey that demonstrates this wisdom. The Buddha's aim was to give up all attachments by leaving his community, friends, family, to meditate constantly in the forest with wise men. But he eventually discovered that was an extreme to be avoided and it made him weak and no closer to enlightenment. He recommended a middle way, avoiding the extremes of austerity and poverty and the other extreme of hedonism and addiction. This applies to 
all of us as we navigate our way through life. The middle way is giving up the extreme of believing pleasurable experiences will bring you lasting satisfaction. In my life coaching sessions, I often ask my clients, do you believe that every experience in life is meant to feel like a bliss bomb? Seriously? And on the other side of the coin, the letting go of the idea that giving away everything will bring you peace. For us all, the middle way is giving up attachment and aversion. Now let's look at how this plays out in a relationship, a scenario which we all can relate to, just to cement the whole concept of attachment and aversion. A powerful insight is to understand that your partner cannot make you happy. This is simply taking responsibility for your own happiness and not relying on others to provide it for you. A relationship can be a joyous partnership, but it may go south very quickly if you rely on the other for happiness or blame them for your suffering. Or in other words, have attachment and aversion present in your relationship. To wrap this up, I want to leave you with my feel on the journey. For me, I am 100% responsible for the reality I create. My daily meditation and mindfulness living practice has strengthened my mind muscle to look for the pause and recognize a choice point in that moment. It is in the pause that I move away from contracting words, thoughts and patterns of attachment and aversion and choose emotions of love and above on the scale of consciousness. Over to Dee. Thanks for sharing all that juicy information. I do love it when you deep dive these topics. Very, very interesting indeed. All right. Now that you've heard Sophia's angle on it, I'm going to relate this to my own journey, simply due to my own life experience. So I have had different levels of learning and experience over the years uh, through landmark education, access consciousness, meditations, or any other, many other learnings and mindset lessons in life, in real life scenarios. For me, over the last four years of my life, with time spent on living in, helping designing and creating a new model of heart-based culture from an esoteric spiritual viewpoint and my alchemist training, I have received many times many intuitive messages and learning points to embody. From this angle, I say attachment, as with aversion programming, is attached to the emotions, which makes it very difficult to overcome. Because with the emotions come addictions and cravings. Attachments run across the board in all areas of life. And it is my understanding that being able to see these patterns of attachment or addiction in a worst-case scenario is a first step, leading into the awareness, there that word is again, awareness, of the emotional environment that we have. So once this is possible, we can then start to work with the set attachments or patterns that are always running. They never stop. And then slowly work on changing them to create a more positive experience in life, more positive experiences, again, across the board. I have come to know that daily meditation practices are the key to all of these processes. As previously mentioned, it mostly comes down to having a more understanding and control of our conscious and subconscious mind, as these are like the mainframe computers for, runnings, for the runnings of our entire physical body. 
So, stillness, presence, awareness, and clarity are again what it all comes back to for me. Looking in from an attachment point of view, though, we can ask questions, quality questions in our meditations, asking for anything that we need help with, and universal mind or, or intuition will go to work finding our answers. This is the power that we as humans hold as the godlike expressions that we are. So for me, again, the more I meditate, the more clarity I gain. And over the last four years, I have come to learn this meditative mindset that I also previously spoke about. Just this last week, I'm finding that I'm able to drop into these deep, harmonious spaces with complete ease. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's taken practice, and I love it. So the two-hour meditations that I sometimes mention on social media channels, I am actually running as a part of my ongoing practice for now, maybe twice a week. But as I say this, I know that there is a balance point suggested in esoteric literature that is nowhere near two hours. And my current practice is simply an attempt at balancing out my busy schedule that is constantly being refined. Okay, so skimming in and out of mini meditations, as I call them, throughout the day, be it 10 or 20 seconds, is all it takes to connect in stillness and pause. But again, remembering to do this is just another pattern or neural pathway that needs running in. Doing this for one or two minutes at a time can also be a beneficial daily practice. And I've found that time tends to stand still in a busy environment when doing this. As the saying goes, if you can't make time for 20 minutes of meditation every day, you may need two hours. Grazie, Steve. Okay, we're going to seal this episode with a love note, a sacred pause meditation. So wherever you are, just close the eyes softly, breathing deeply, gently into the whole of your ribcage and abdomen. Natural breath in through the nose and then breathing out all the air from the abdomen and the ribcage and out through the nose. And just continue breathing in and out through the nose, feeling the body expand on the in-breath and soften with the out-breath and come into that pause at the end of the exhale and sit in that space that's quiet, still, calm, returning back there after every breath out and let that become a familiar place to sit into. to soften your energy, to ground into the present moment. And using this breath awareness of the in-breath and the out-breath and the sacred pause at the end of your exhale as a tool to ground you throughout the day, to give you a space to feel calm and gently now open the eyes. And take yourself into the next phase of your day, remembering to come back to that sacred pause when you need to. Love, love, everyone. Love, love, everyone. So much love.